Good morning, everybody. I wondered about what to preach this morning, and not really what to preach. I've already written down what to preach. I already have what to preach. I've been thinking about what to preach the last couple weeks here, but I was thinking about how to preach it, Bobby. I was thinking about how to give the word. How many know that there are, how many, uh, you like beef, right? How many like beef? Hey, we're beef country. <laughs> Doug's like, who's cattlemen's, right? Whoop. How many know there's some tough cuts of beef? All right. Some of the toughest cuts of beef make the best barbecue, right, Mikey? And what is the secret, Mikey, to barbecue? Low and slow. Do you guys know that? Low and slow is time and temperature. We want low and slow heat because it takes that tough meat and breaks down the fibers and makes it easy to digest and easy to chew. Amen? And so as I was thinking this morning, if we're going to continue with the analogy of beef, <laughs> I was thinking this morning about uh, a tough cut of meat. And sometimes we have, I have a tough sermon to preach. And so is it, is, it my, is it my prerogative, is it my job, is it the leading of the Holy Spirit that I preach it with fire and intensity? Or do we simmer down a little bit? <laughs> I think it's one of those things that when we talk about what we're going to talk about, we want to be able to understand it. We want to be able to digest it. We want to be able to take it in and not reject it, but hold on to it. Over the last few weeks, really, uh, uh, actually, let me, let me kind of back up a little bit. Over the next few weeks, you are going to have, uh, you're going to be blessed by quite a few different ministers who are going to be taking the burden off me uh, for a little bit because of camp and then some vacation time with my family. And so I will be here for the most part, but I will not be sharing the word. They will be sharing the word. So today, I am ready to preach a message that I've been thinking about here for the last few weeks. It has been kind of ruminating in my spirit, and really it's been one of those things that it brings up some tough questions. It brings up, some, brings up some very tough situations within the church body. A few weeks ago, I ministered on the followers of Christ, and specifically the disciples of Jesus. So uh, we're not going to rehash everything because we're going to read the Scripture here in a little bit about just who they are. But instead of talking about every disciple, I want to speak about one disciple in particular, one individual the man in question is named Judas, and the name of this message is entitled The Judas Problem. When we think about Judas, when you think about Judas, there may be some words come to mind. What's, what's a word that comes to mind when you think of Judas? Betrayer. Anything else? That's probably number one, right? Betrayer. As this word, as this message stirred in my heart and mind, 
I kept coming back to the man Judas who spent three years with Jesus but still deceived and still delivered the master to the soldiers, right? In some ways, the problem haunts me because it is a problem. How could this man see everything Jesus did, experience all who Jesus was, and still betray him? What causes those who have experienced the love and grace of Christ to let darkness and hate overtake their hearts until they ultimately abandon he who saves. To study Judas is interesting to say the least, right? Uh, He was the son of a man named Simon. Every other disciple of Jesus was from inside the Galilee region, but Judas wasn't. Judas was from Judea. In other words, he was an outsider among the insiders. We don't know much about his early life, but this is what we see in Luke chapter 6 when Jesus calls him as one of the disciples. It says this, In these days he, that's Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from the twelve whom he named apostles. And we've gone over this, but it's Simon, who was named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, or James the lesser, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. We see the same account in Mark chapter 3. So we see the Gospels again coinciding together because that's what they do. Then in John chapter 12, we get to see the character and the job of Judas. We see it as a woman named Mary is worshiping Jesus with a fine and expensive oil. It says this in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard oil. Uh, pure nard oil was what was called spike nard. Uh, and so as pure spike nard is a, is a very uh, expensive flower, and it created a, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and then wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was a year's worth of wages. Now keep in mind, he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied in verse 7. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Here we learn about Judas's character. 
He was a leader among the early church. His concern was for money. He was what would be the treasure of the disciples. It seems his only concern was for money. It wasn't for the poor, as he claimed, because he was a thief. Let me say it this way. He's a disciple of God. He's a leader in the church. He's given the authority by Jesus to cast out demons. And yet he's still a thief and a liar. This brings up some tough questions. This brings up some weird circumstances. You see, the hard truth here is that there are many so-called leaders that have gifts and abilities that are given by God. But in truth, those people are thieves and liars. There are those who will call themselves prophets of God, leaders of God. And they have many talents. But in truth, they are thieves and liars. This is where I'm going to simmer down a little bit. How many know over the last few years, we have seen pastors and leaders not just fall, but leave the faith? The most famous ones include former pastor Joshua Harris, who's an author, uh, Hillsong worship leader Marty Sampson. Some haven't publicly left the faith, but they have fallen due to sin. And in most cases, let's just be honest, it's sexual sin. So you have Ted Haggard and Bob Coy and Bill Hybels and Carl Lentz. Big names within the Christian community. Big names within Christendom. Then you have those who have abandoned biblical teaching for something more culturally acceptable. Some just get into New Age teaching. Some just get into self-help teaching. Self-help, feel-good gospel is what we would call part of the Oprah circuit. And of course, those include men like Rob Bell, and Joel Osteen, Andy Stanley, and more. And that's just in the last few years. We won't even get into the leaders of the 80s and 90s. How many know what I'm talking about? Scandal after scandal after scandal. Now the truth is this, some people may hear those names and say, Pastor David, I just don't agree with you. Some of those are my favorite preachers. And to that, I would say this, and this is where I want to get low and slow. As believers, we need to understand the Bible and what it's for. And many Christians simply don't. Many people who call themselves believers simply don't understand the Bible and what it's for. 
But when you buy those books and watch and listen to those messages, you need to know that you are being given at the very best spiritual baby food and at the very worst outright lies. And I say at the very best spiritual baby food because it's not all bad teaching. We look at it, we hear it, we go, well, yeah, I mean, some of that sounds really good. And some of it is good. At the best, spiritual baby food. At the worst, outright lies covered in religious language. Some would say, Pastor David, you better be careful. I, I, I like this. This is what people say. Pastor David, be careful. You don't want to come against the Lord's anointed. How many ever heard that before? You, right? And it's true. The problem is, that's the classic fallback of many believers who just don't speak up. And if they do speak up, it's usually out of context. Yes, Reagan. You say, Pastor David, be careful. We don't want to touch the Lord's anointed. But the directive we have is shown in Ephesians chapter 5. It says this, chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. It says this, therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's not just my job as a pastor, but your job as a believer. Amen? Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? That when there is someone giving false teaching, false prophecy, false miracles, false healings, it is our jo- not just my job as pastor, but your job as believers to not have any partnership with them, to expose them for what they are. Well, you don't understand. I mean, there's such there's so many great things happening. There's angel feathers and gold dust at their services. And they gave a prophecy about Trump. And I, I promise you, Pastor David, like 10% of it happened. And we're just waiting for the next Trump presidency for the rest of it to happen. We need to pull our heads out of the sand. As believers, do not be in partnership with those who are spreading lies. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So, Pastor David, I don't know. I mean... That's a good verse. Thank you, but is there anything else? Yes, there is. Romans 16, 17 through 18 says this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
This is Paul speaking to the Roman church, and he's saying it this way. My friends, my brothers and my sisters in Christ, I urge you to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. How many know we do not want to be naive people? We want to be informed believers. We want to be, we want to be thinking believers. Amen? As believers, we have to know what teaching is biblical and what teaching is not. The problem, one of the problems is this. Many Christians have stopped reading the Bible in context. And they rely on snippets of the Bible put into popular devotionals because that just makes the Bible easier to read. How many know, and if we're being honest, some would say, I have a devotional, I read a devotional, but I can't remember the last time I just sat down and read the Bible. I can't remember the last time I sat down and read a commentary to dig deep into what the Scripture means. And you say, well, Pastor David, that's your job. And there's some who would say that. And I would say it's true. That is part of my job. But me doing my job is not going to get you saved, is not going to keep you righteous, is not going to keep you healthy, is not going to keep you on the right path. Me doing my job is to help guide the church towards righteousness and truth. The truth is, as believers, we have a mandate by God to search the Bible, to study the Bible, and to speak the Bible to a fallen world. We have a mandate by God. You can't speak the Bible if all you get is the cliff notes. We get a snippet here and there and put it in a devotional and go, man, I love this devotional. I mean, I get to read it every day. I get one minute and, praise Jesus, I'm ready to go. And that's what we put our faith in. And I'm not saying devotionals are bad. I'm not saying that at all. There's some great insights. There's a great, you know, Hallelujah. But if that's all we're doing, if that's all you're taking in, and you go, well, yeah, I mean, you should have read what I heard in my devotional this morning. Well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm glad you were encouraged by it. Now get some meat. Chew it up. Swallow it. How many know this isn't really popular preaching? All right? It's really not. A.W. Tozer, who I like, he said, uh, those who try to give warnings to the Christian church are never very popular. They're never very popular. Because the truth is this, I know this won't make you feel good inside, 
I know it won't make you feel all tingly. I know it's not the ice cream message that we crave, right? How many people crave sweet things? I do. Anybody crave sweet things? Every once in a while. I heard, hardly ever, but sometimes I really crave sweet things. Um, and then I'll go looking for sweet things. And usually what I find is in the freezer. It's called ice cream. How many like ice cream? Right? We crave ice cream. We crave sweet things that sound good in our ears. But too much ice cream makes you sick, right? How many, everybody, anybody ever have too much ice cream? Just you took in too much and all of a sudden now it's a shake and it's starting. Eh. Listen, ice cream won't sustain you in the faith race. All it will do is make you slow and fat and easily taken down by wolves. That's all it will do. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm on a steady Rocky Road diet. I'm on a steady vanilla with chocolate fudge diet. And a lot of people, a lot of believers, that's what they're on. They take in a steady stream of ice cream and go, yep, I heard my word from the pastor on the TV and I, I, I'm encouraged for the day. Thank you, Lord. And they take in that steady stream of ice cream. And then they wonder why they're taken down by wolves. This is a message that if you grab a hold of it, will lead you toward the truth of the Bible. How many here want to know the truth of the Bible? Not everybody. Okay. How many here want to know the truth of the Bible? Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Hallelujah. It's always good to see your hand raised. <laughs> How many here know that I love you? Hey, the truth is I do. Have your, ask your pastor, I have a deep love for the people of this church. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. I could come up here and give you three points in a poem. Well, let's just make sure we shake each other's hands and hug each other's necks today and just let you know that I love you. And Jesus loves you. In case anybody's wondering, that's my daughter, so I can. I've been here almost six and a half years now. And I don't think I've ever just phoned it in. Not just because I know the mandate that God has on my life, but because I love the people of this church. Because I want the people of this church to grow in their faith. Because I want the people of this church to be mature believers. The truth for Judas is that he was a man who was a disciple of Christ, but clearly was not a follower of Christ. 
He traveled with him, but he didn't pursue him. I, I, I listed off a bunch of names there just a, a few minutes ago. Some were familiar to you, some weren't. And when I think about Judas, this man who followed Jesus, this man who was a disciple, probably not truly a follower, this man who traveled but didn't really pursue. One of the names I didn't mention and I wasn't sure I was going to talk about was Ravi Zacharias. If you know of who Ravi Zacharias is, he is a famous Bible teacher who passed away last year. He was a Bible teacher. He was in uh, what's called apologetics. He, he would preach the truth of the Bible. And he did it in tremendous ways. And when he passed away, I, along with many others, mourned him. Vocally, publicly, which the only thing public now is if you put it on Facebook. So, And then the reports started coming out that Ravi Zacharias, for years, had been sexually abusing women. For years. Turns out there were settlements, there was payoffs. One who claimed to know the truth of the Bible, one who taught the truth of the Bible, one who claimed to have love for Jesus, was clearly not pursuing him. And you're talking about years. How could this happen? When thinking about Judas, I think about Ravi Zacharias. I think about those other men who have fallen. I think about people in my life that I know. And honestly, I think about me. In studying and praying about Judas and his deception, I couldn't help but wonder if there was any way for him to escape his temptations. Was there any chance for him to not be the one to betray Jesus? In wondering about that, I had no clear answers. Because after all, the events of Jesus were prophesied centuries before they took place. Psalm 41.9 said this, King David wrote this about Judas's betrayal, even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, he lifted up his heel against me. I wonder if Judas had truly followed Christ, would he still be the one to betray him? Or would another one have taken his place? In studying that, I came across this. 1 John 2, 19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, 
they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. This, this word is, is given as a warning to believers about those who are antichrists. Say antichrists. Now, this is not the antichrist we spoke about in Revelation, right? But it is those who preach a gospel that is not in line with the Bible and it is not in line with Jesus. Judas was not in line with Jesus. Ravi Zacharias, he taught the Bible, but clearly was not in line with Jesus. For Judas, I don't know. I wonder if it was at the beginning of the three years. Remember, he walked with Jesus for three years. He, he, did, he did work and ministry with Jesus for three years. So I wonder, was it, the, was it at the beginning of the three years? Or was it maybe along the way somewhere that his temptation for money just became too much for him to handle? And he gave in just a little bit. The offering came in, the stuff came in, and he went, ah, just, I just need a little extra. And what was one denarii became three. And what was three became pen, and then silver, and then gold. Because that's what sin does, right? Sin is subtle. It only requires us to dive in a little bit at first. Don't jump in the water, just dip your toe in. Just, just go up to your ankles. And before you know it, you are drowning in your sins. I wonder if at any time at the end of Ravi Zacharias' life, I pray that he, get, that he prayed for forgiveness. I pray that the different pastors and leaders who I've, who I've named today that they would pray for forgiveness. And you say, Pastor David, do they, really, do they really deserve it? No. No. None of us do. We don't deserve forgiveness. How entitled are you? Well, Pastor David, I just deserve. You don't deserve nothing. Sit down and be quiet. It is by the sheer grace of Jesus Christ that his blood was shed for her, shed for us. Shed for you, shed for me. Just by the sheer grace of God. Nothing I've done to deserve it. Nothing Rabbi Zacharias could do to deserve it. Nothing Judas could do to deserve it. Judas gave in a little, and then a little more, and then a little more, on the, uh, a little more. 
until he was known as a thief and would ultimately betray Jesus for just a few more pieces of silver. It's an interesting thing to see what people will pay for their faith. Some surrender to money, some surrender to sexual sin, some surrender to be accepted within the current culture. Six and a half years ago, I was living near Atlanta, and I was working for Honda. I was working in sales for Honda, and I'd worked for Honda for about five years. I was making more money than I ever thought I would. Ever thought I would. I served in a church where I could, but the draw to make more money was always there. It always was there. Life looked good on the outside, but inside I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. I knew the calling God had on me, and I was desperately praying for God to open the door. And then it did. The door opened in a small town in Iowa named Esterville. It was a different church. You guys don't know about it. Reagan thought that was funny. When the door opened for me to come here, I went to my boss. And I let him know the situation. I let him know that I was going to be leaving and we were going to be moving here. And The first thing he did not say to me was congratulations. The first thing he, he, he did not say to me was like, hey, man, good for you. You're God's call in your life. The first thing he said to me was, you know you're going to be making a lot less money. That was the first thing he said to me, Doreen. I responded to him quickly and decisively. And the truth is this. I said, you just don't understand. I would go for free. You see, the money was nice, but something greater had grabbed a hold of me a long time ago. A long time ago, something greater grabbed a hold of me. The desire to serve God in ministry, no matter the cost. I remember when I was dating my wife. A long time ago. But before we got married, I think before we got engaged, I sat her down. And said to her, I do not know where this life will take us. I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember exactly, but I said, we may never have money. We may never be rich. We may live in 20 different houses, which I think we're close to now. But we will live according to God's will. And we will go where he leads us. And if you're not on board with that, we don't need to get married. We've been dating for a while at this time. But it's one of those things where you go, Pastor David, would you have really broken up with her? I would have prayed real hard. But I knew the calling that was on my life. And I knew that God had called her to be alongside me, not behind me. She is praised over this ministry like I do. She prays over you guys and loves you guys. 
like I do, sometimes more than. But it's amazing when you start to look at what people will pay for their faith, at what people will pay for their relationship with Christ. My question to you is this. Are you, what are you willing to give up to fully serve God? What are you willing to give up to fully serve God? For Judas, it was money. For some leaders I named, it was sex or money or popularity. They would take those things in and say, all right, I don't know if I said it right before, but you know what I mean. See, the truth is that this is not a Judas problem. It's an us problem. It's a humanity problem. I mean, the message sounds good. The title sounds good. The Judas problem. Wow, that's a, that's a catchy title, Bobby. But it's an us problem. It's you and it's me. And it's a decision that faces you and me sometimes on a daily basis. I read the verse in 1 John a bit ago, but I want to go back there and look at 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says this. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Right after these verses, we are given another warning. And I would say that we need to read and pray over this carefully for us to really understand what's going on with all those who are leading and deceiving believers. It says in verse 18, Children, it is the last hour, and you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know it is the last hour. One pastor said it this way, Seeing the nature of our times and what the Bible says about the end times, we should regard ourselves as not being in the last hour, but in the last minutes. The last minutes. If you wonder why I preach with passion, it's because we should regard ourselves as being in the last minutes. We need to understand that there are many who will be deceived and led away from the truth of Christ by so-called Christian leaders. There are many who will be led away. I pray that we who call ourselves Christians Followers of Jesus, committed to Christ, committed to a lifetime, committed to eternity, we will not be led away. Will you stand with me this morning? It's a tough cut of beef. 
That's a tough piece of meat. But when you think about it, you pray about it, we meditate on it. We read our word. We understand the Bible. When we do those things, you'll see the truth of what's being preached. If we are not careful, we will allow sweet sounds to sway us. We will allow small temptations to trip us up until we are drowning in our sin. I believe there is forgiveness. I believe there is redemption. I believe there is grace, and it is found through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so this morning, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or to lift your hand. I'm going to simply ask you to take this home and pray over it. To read your word. To dig deep into the Bible. To do what it is he's called us to do. The mandate that we have as believers. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. Lord, I pray that in this last hour and possibly even in these last few minutes before the end of days, you would cause us to hunger after real truth, to search your word for clear instruction and to listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, let us not be led away by false teachers and false gospel, but let us cling tightly to your word for us. Lord, I pray that each person hearing this message would cast away all that holds them back from truth. Lord, I pray over those who are here today, over those who may be watching online. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, and I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause your face to shine down upon them, and Lord, that you would give them rest. Lord, give those in our community comfort and peace. May you bring healing to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.